0: Welcome to Show for Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. I'm sure you'll enjoy that. Right, so like I said earlier, we want to introduce a new uh, service flow, um, and then I'm going to talk about giving and finances since we're going to be dropping our offering messages. So going, uh, from August, we're not going to have offering messages. But instead, we're going we're to sh- do specific sharing of where the church is the church. Um, and I'm sure most of you are aware of the values of our church, the five values. Kiara, um, if you can just put on the values, that's the five. Uh, it's knowing God, living with fire, uh, being together, cultivating awareness, and intentionally outward. Um, So whenever we're going to be sharing at that specific uh, sharing time, uh, we'll reference those values because we want to just emphasize when we, um, if you can put on the next one, Kiara. So once a month, we're going to give intercession feedback, which is living with fire, right? We've got a monthly intercession, uh, first Wednesday of the month, sorry, last Wednesday, the first Sunday of the month, we'll be giving feedback. That's the confusion there. (laughs) All right, so uh, it'll be a prophetic feedback. This is what the Lord is saying to the church, Um, and of course, we want to all be in line, in season, in step with the Holy Spirit, so I'm looking forward to get feedback from the intercession teams um, of what is God saying, Uh, so that'll be the first Sunday of the month. The second Sunday of the month, we're going to do what Megan did uh, a while back, um, but this will be... Uh, the, every second Sunday of the month, we're going to give feedback um, of what God is doing in the workplace, right? Um, any significant happening, you know, God is so into our working lives. He's so into um, the marketplace. Um, he's so into studies. Um, so whatever, whatever significant thing happens, whether it's an operation that was successfully done from a doctor or You know, we're going to, new jobs, we're just going to give God glory and celebrate. Uh, I don't know who said it, but celebration is so powerful a bit earlier. What you celebrate, you propagate, right? And we want to be effective in the world. We want to see God's glory shine, um, not just on a Sunday morning, right? We want to take it into the world. And then the third Sunday, we're going to give feedback on the hope challenge, Right, so the Hope Challenge, yes, it's fun. Exactly. Um, You are welcome. uh, A while back, we had a church service, and I invited people to be part of a a group called the Hope Challenge, um, where we commit to once a week trusting for an opportunity to share the hope that is in us. Right, so we keep each other accountable. Um, So you're welcome to join the group, but the group, and especially going forward, there will be a commitment, right? And so, you have to trust the Lord. You know, see, things don't happen automatically. We need to be really intentional. So, what we'll do is those that are part of the hope group, that trust for uh, encounter uh, once a week, we're going to give feedback. And we hope to say, you know, we hope to come and say, so many people got healed, you know, in the last month. So many people got uh delivered so many people that came to salvation this and this and this is what happened um and so we really trust in god you know to, to build in that sort of a culture so that's the hope challenge and then finally we're gonna do communion a bit different um so what we're gonna do is the fourth sunday of every month we'll have communion in front and we're gonna come forward take the communion go back and the church is going to have communion, right? The book of Acts says that they went from house to house and they, they shared meals, but they shared in the communion. In fact, the early church did communion like almost every day, right? And we sort of, you know, so it's not just about doing it the once a month, it's about a culture of, you know, taking part, you know, part of the finished work of um, Christ. So that's just to give you a bit of an update this morning. Um, I want to talk about money, right, and finances. And actually, the Lord Lord, challenged me because there's so much nonsense in, in a lot of churches. And I mean, we live in Africa where the prosperity gospel um, is, you know, rife. And of course, there's a part of the prosperity gospel that is biblical, but we're obviously so aware of the abuse of finances, right? And so, Often, you'd shy away with it, and the Holy Spirit just convicted me. In fact, I thought, well, let's, let's ask one of the financial guys to share this message. And um, I don't know if any of you were in Johan's message a while ago. Um, Johann's really blessed and gifted to do that. But the Lord just convicted me and said, you know, um, Jesus spoke so many times about finances, right? It's, it's supposed to be something that you speak about often if we just look at the pattern of Scripture. Look, actually... Um, what Howard L. Dayton says. He says, Jesus talked much about money. He did some research. He said, 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, Less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Isn't that mind-blowing? Jesus spoke about it often. And so, I want to say like Paul says, um, it's, it's not about what you can give to the church, but it's about what is deposited in your account when you give, when you become a giver, and a giving person he says uh, Philippians 4 verse 17 not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account indeed I have all and abound and I'm full having received from Ephroditus the things you sent me a sweet swelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice well pleasing to God and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus God is God is everything right, um, he, he has all the riches, and it's not spiritual riches only, right, he has everything, we, we make that separation in our minds, but he literally possesses everything, so um, some of you know, I sometimes, I often, David Dix will tell you, I've, I've, I've skipped the offering message a couple of times, I just forget, it's <laughs> not on my mind, right, so we're taking a bit of a step of faith as a church. Um, saying, you know, we're going to take that little reminder every week away, right? And, uh, you know, the, the God's heart with finances is freedom, right? We give because we want to. We give because it's, it's the freedom in us to be able to give. We want to give because we, we love it. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to... Um, 'm not the slides or the, the scriptures are not on the slides uh, today you can get the references gear if you can go back to the first slide um, and I'm going to trust that you have a high level of knowing the stories because um, I'm going to go through quite a few of them talking about Luke and his um uh, his narrative of Jesus talking about finances and you'll again be be, be you know so surprised about how many times he actually talks about finances but the first one I want to emphasize um well starts at Luke 15 we're going to look at 15 16 17 18 and 19 all five of those chapters so you understand why I'm saying I'm trusting you have a very good knowledge and a fresh knowledge of these these chapters because I'm really just going to um point out to certain aspects of the the parables and the stories that Jesus told but one of the parables, and probably one of our favorite parables, is the parable of the prodigal son. We love that story. We love the fact that the, the, the son messed up, and he could come back to the father. The father embraced him. And it, it, it stirs us because we can relate. We were that son, right, that messed up, and we, you know, we were embraced by the father. No matter what sin you did, and no matter how many times I did things wrong, the father accepted me, embraced me. And it's it's incredible. It gives us compassion for the lost, right? The harvest. We can, you know, are able to bridge and to relate. Nyasha actually said uh, the Lord stirred him to write the song of the harvest. So we're going to keep you accountable, Bruce. He <laughs> just told me. Um, but it's amazing, you know, the the, the the heart of the Father. But we sometimes forget that that parable is about an estate inheritance. It's about money. I think we forget. It's a father that gave his sons money, wealth, right? He, he gave it to them. And these two stories or two uh, scenarios that Jesus, by telling the story, he condemns. And, um, of course, the, the, the prodigal son, he took risk, but he took bad risk. And Jesus obviously condemned that. He emphasizes the love of the Father to embrace him. But Jesus did condemn the spending um, of the money. And then secondly, the older brother, Jesus also condemns. He says, says, you're also getting it wrong. And what did he do? He took no risk. And what I believe um, when it comes to God, and, and, and it's a, it's a tricky word to use, um, but there's healthy risk um, in God, in His kingdom, and in dynamic. And of course, I take the risk. Risk. <laughs> I take the risk of misunderstanding, but I just realized that risk is such a natural part of life. In fact, it's one of the things that's um, so core to parenting. Is um, you encourage your children like in daily to, to take risk, right? Because most of the things that we're trusting that they would grow into, they've never done before, right? Whether it's, it's um, just greeting someone, um, whether it's speaking in front of people, whether it's, you can just imagine as kids grow up, they need to take risk, right? Because they need to grow in this life. And the same, I believe, in the kingdom and, and as we, grow spiritually it's a natural part of our lives we need to take risk and so if we are like the the older brother we risk averse then there's something missing there's something wrong and if you look at the older brother's heart had become had become bitter and he was so um internally focused that he just completely missed out on what he really had um with his father, and and actually look at what Jesus says to him. So I'm going to read the scripture in Luke 15, verse 31. Well, 30, let's read 30. But as soon as his son, but as soon as this son of yours came, who devoured your livelihood with harlots, who killed um, the fatted calf for him. So this is now the older brothers moaning, you know, complaining. Love what Matthew did. Um, being silent before the Lord. But he said, um, he was complaining about what the father had done to the son that messed up, right? Why did you do this? Why did you receive him back? And then Jesus says to him, verse 32. Oh, sorry, the the father said to him. Son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. It's amazing. This The son didn't realize that He was so... We call it the orphan spirit. Even though he was in the house, he was an orphan, right? He, was, he, was, he didn't understand what it means to be a son because the father had already decided everything I have belongs to him, right? And, and we can go into the dynamics, and I've got so many thoughts on it, but I want to just, for the sake of focus, um, leave with us that the, the son m- missed out because he wasn't willing to risk and I'm talking about healthy risk, not not bad risk like the prodigal son, um, but a healthy risk where we trust the Father that He has the best for us, and trust the Father that when He calls us to venture beyond our comfort, it's because He loves us and He sees the bigger picture. He sees what we can, and He wants to wants to take us. But but everything that the, the the older brother had, um, you know, or the father had belonged to the older brother. Incredible story uh, that Jesus shares there. Sometimes we think um, giving is a place of excess. When we have excess, then we become givers. Actually, research was done by, in the States by a group called the Share Faith Team. Um, they say... Researching um, giving in America, they say statistics suggest that if you have less than 20k um, uh, dollars, you're eight times more likely to give than someone who makes more than 75k. So you would think the opposite, right? The more people earn, the more they give. But he says no, it's the other way around. Eight times that. Right, so it's it's quite interesting. It's quite staggering, in fact, um, giving us a place of the heart. It's not a it's not a um, it's not a sum on a budget, right? It becomes a sum on the budget if the heart is in a good place. Right, so that's Luke 15, and I'm just going to point out to certain things that Luke emphasises on the message of Jesus regarding finances. 15 is the prodigal son. Then. It's Luke chapter 16, the whole of the chapter, every, um, every one of the stories that Jesus tells. In fact, he starts off with um, the, the steward, right? He says that there was a master and a steward. And the steward had, um, there was an accusation that came against the steward, right? And then no, nowhere does the scripture tell us that the accusation was correct, Right? But there was accusation against the steward, and the steward was found guilty. Again, it doesn't say if it's justly or unjustly. Um, if he was correct, that's not the point of the story. But he might have been not guilty, right? regardless of the fact um, whether he's guilty or not. Um, Jesus then says, um, this steward went to all uh, his master's um debtors those that owed the master money and he said to the one write off half your debt Um, the other go and write off so much and so much and so in the process he um, he makes friends for himself Jesus says it directly He says by by writing off their debt um, and in fact it says that the master eventually comes and he commends this steward because he was shrewd Right? And then Jesus says, those of the world sometimes are more shrewd uh, than the sons of light. And he, and he, and he, and he points to something that is, that is, that is really powerful. And um, he points to the social capital value of money. Right? The social capital value of money. Have you heard of the term, um, the time value of money? Who knows of the time value of money? Time value of money is very basic, very simple. Money that you have in your hand today is worth more than money that you have later on, okay? So if I sell my house, if I sell any possession, if I can get the money now, it's much better than I get the same amount of value two months later. Because why? I can invest the money, right? And with investment, it grows, okay? Okay. So that's, that's obviously a, a good financial principle. But a better principle is what Jesus tells you. The social capital value of money. Right? In other words, social capital, relationships are eternal. Right? And so we have an opportunity in this life to build social capital. Right? We have an ability to grow relationships which we will not have in heaven. Obviously, we're going to grow relationships in heaven, but there's, um, there's people in this life that will perhaps not taste this, the next life if we don't share the gospel. Amen? Right? And so we have the opportunity to use earthly possessions for the sake of the kingdom. Right? And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's there's, there's a similar pr- principle than the time value of money. Right? You can wait till later, you can do it now. Right? And make an investment um, into people. That's the first part of Luke 16. Second part, Jesus compares God and mammon. He says, there's, there's, you, can, there's, um, you need to choose. You either, you know, either God is your Lord or mammon is your God. Right? And so you cannot serve um, two masters. Um, you, you are a slave to either one of them. And, of course, if we're a slave to God, he's a good, he's a good boss. You know, if we're a slave to the system of the world, that's obviously um, not so great. Um, and, in fact, the, the effect is that you lose your freedom. In God, if God is your boss, if you're a slave to him, you've won your freedom. If you're a slave to the world or to mammon, um, you've lost your freedom. Then Jesus continues, and then he talks about the Pharisees. And he just mentions this one thing about the Pharisees. Pharisees, And he says the following, actually quite surprising, but he says, the Pharisees were lovers of money. Okay, we know the Pharisees, and I can probably do a whole sermon on this topic. Um, But the Pharisees were the religious They were, um, they represent to us those that know about God, but don't have relationship with God. But Jesus says, points out something very particular that he says, the Pharisees were lovers of money. Now, he doesn't say the Pharisees had much money, right? They might have had a lot of money, but he doesn't say that because you can actually appear to have not much, but be a lover of money right you get the point it's a place in the heart right what is the you know what is the desires of your heart and and Jesus particularly points out that the Pharisees were lovers of money then Jesus and again I'm trusting that you know these stories Um, if you don't go and spend time in the word the word is amazing in this regard but Jesus tells another parable Um, he tells a parable of the rich man and Lazarus Uh, not the Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead, another Lazarus, a a poor man, um, and a very rich man, and you know, the the rich man was encountering this poor man, and he had closed up his heart, and it's it's a parable of of hardened heartedness, right, versus uh, uh, giving of alms, right, and so um, Jesus tells the story the the rich man dies, and then there 's this discussion um, and Lazarus you know is engaging and he wants to you know get the message to his his families and his brothers and sisters, but um, the response there is then um, it 's not going to help because they have the prophets, and we have the word. Um, but it, 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 again, emphasizes the importance of a soft heart and giving to the poor. Luke 17 then continues to, I'm gonna, and I'm going to stop at Luke 19 in a second, but I'm just running through them. It, it, Luke 17 touches on thankfulness and servanthood. Um, and you might think Luke 17 doesn't touch specifically on finances, but in fact it does. Um, because it talks about servitude um, as a, a, a giving without receiving, so in other words, it talks about a place of um, giving without receiving finances. He um, talks about the servant that says, "I'm an unworthy servant. I've just done my duty." Right. So actually, implicitly, Jesus is speaking about finances. Um, by talking about the attitude of the heart Luke 18 Jesus talks about the rich young ruler it's 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 crazy how many times in just four chapters Jesus speaks about finances rich young ruler um, comes to Jesus he says I've done all all the commandments I've done everything good Jesus says to him okay one thing you haven't done is go and sell everything go give away everything Um, and I want to give you the bottom line of all of these messages and I've, I've alluded to it a couple of times is Jesus is interested in one thing when it comes to finances, and that is your freedom. Your freedom. Your heart, if your heart's in a good place, then you're free. And that is the bottom line message of finances, is freedom. God wants your freedom. And he says, he actually says this to the rich young ruler. He says, my heart to you. Actually, the, the, the scripture's so powerful there. It says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Amazing, eh? He looked at him and he loved him and he realized it wasn't like Jesus shared the truth. You know, sometimes we like the truth. You know, we need to get the truth out there. No, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And he realized that what this man needs are these words. And it's going to be hard for him. It's going to offend him and he's going to to walk away, right? Um, You know, one of those amazing stories of Jesus where he's not... He's not trying to do the popular thing. He's not trying to do the humanistic thing. You know, give the answer that the guy wants. Right? So often I think we do that. Um, But he says the truth. And I can just imagine that it almost broke Jesus to do it. Right? But he knew he had to because he looked at him and he loved him. He said to him, go sell all your possessions. Right? Give up everything. Um, And church history tells us, That he was Barnabas. Um, The Bible doesn't specifically say it, but in the book of Acts, uh, there was a guy who liberally gave to the early church. Um, And, you know, so we don't know for sure, but it might be that this man had received the truth that Jesus gave him, walked away, thought about it, maybe thought about it long, maybe it took weeks or months, and finally realized I'm not free. I right, finally realized this, this is empty, right? Sometimes if you have the love of Jesus and you have the, his word in your heart, you cannot escape it, right? And, and at some point, I can just imagine he gave up and he said, I'm going to just lose everything for the sake of Jesus. But Jesus loved him. Then Luke 19, at the start of the chapter, it speaks about Zacchaeus. Again, Amazing. You know, Jesus says, this man, tax collector, um, you know, he did everything wrong in the book. Um, He's the SARS of the day, right? The tax collectors. Um, And he, um, he, it's an amazing story. He encounters Jesus and he gives back liberally. He says says to Jesus, Jesus, I will give half of my possessions to the poor and I'll I'll restore four times. Um, what I took from someone wrongfully and that's that answer just messes with my math right I don't know about you but it feels like there's nothing left right if you give half it away and you know it clearly says that he was someone that did things wrongfully I'm sure he's got very little left after he's done this but but he has found something better the pull of great prize Jesus and that moved his heart And then I'm going to end off with this parable. And then we're going to do a declaration this morning. I'm really excited about doing this declaration. Verse 11 to 27. The parable of the miners. There's uh, three or four versions of this parable. And they have slight minor details, uh, different in the Gospels. Uh, I can imagine Jesus told the parable twice. But I found it quite interesting that again, Jesus takes money, he chooses money as the analogy to teach the people about the kingdom, right? And so the master, he goes to, to his servants and he gives to them something to steward, right? And so he goes to, in fact, it says 10 stewards. Let me, let me read from... Luke 19, so that we can all be on the same page. Let me not paraphrase every scripture this morning. Luke 19, verse 11. You can follow on your iPhones or Bibles. Need some Bibles there. Praise the Lord. Okay, now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten miners, and said to them, do business till I come. Ten miners, apparently uh, they equated to the value of... um, three months salary, right, so it wasn't, it was a significant amount, it wasn't just a couple of coins, it was something that they could steward effectively, and he says, do business, right, business is a very godly thing, right, Jesus says, I'm about my father's business, right, but he says, go and do business, Jesus says, this is a godly thing to do, it's blessed, right, to do business, so let's not think." Doing business is ungodly or unspiritual and other things are more spiritual. He says, go and do business. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not this have this man reign over us. That's, if you want to underline, if you underline your word. That's the part that you underline, right? This is, this is about finances, right? The bottom line of finances is we do not want this God to reign over us, right? Right? Um, those that are cheerful givers are those that want to have this God reign over them. You'll see the, the, the parable ends off with that phrase again. And it, and it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then he came, the first saying, Master... Your miner has earned ten miners. And he said to him, Well done, good, well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. And then the second came saying, Master, your miner has earned five, uh, five, five miners. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. It's, it's, it's interesting that there must have been lots of skill involved there right, that's pretty good stewarding, right, Um, doubling what the master had given him in a very short time, so, you know, there's lots of skillfulness involved, Um, Jesus then illustrates, verse 20, then another came saying, master, here is your minor, which I have kept, put away in my handkerchief, No, no risk, again, you see that the same message that Jesus shared about the older brother, we see here with another servant, he took no risk. And how we must read this, and and it's amazing, you know, finances in the context of relationship. Um, What you must read here is there wasn't the trust relationship. Right? Um, The the older brother didn't trust the father, that his intentions were good. um, And this servant didn't trust the master and here we see it see the confession now of this um the servant i put it away in a handkerchief for i feared you because you are an austere man you collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow and he said to him out of your mouth i will judge you powerful words He says, out of your mouth, I will judge you. So, what do we know of God? He's good, right? His character is good. God will never reap where He hasn't sown. God um, is, you know, a liberal God. He gives to us, right? He's a good, good father. There's so much we can say about the goodness of God. There's so much we can say about His character. But here is a man that proverbially now, or in this parable, Jesus depicts us. He says, I perceived you to be, right? Perception is powerful, amen? And our perceptions, that's why we, we shouldn't walk one day with false perceptions of God, in our minds. I think we give ourselves too much liberty when it comes to um, perceptions of God and anger in our hearts. Right? Sometimes we get angry with God. Okay? It's good to recognize it. But it's not good to live with anger in your heart towards God. You are the one that's going to lose out. Deal with it immediately. Right? And God is amazing and gracious to help us in those those situations. But he says... For I feared you, and because you are an austere man, he's not, but I, but he perceived him that way. And then this, the, the parable, um, Jesus here says, be, and it says, you collect what you do not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. And you knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might, receive, uh, might have collected it with interest? Right. So there's a there's a no risk option or a, a very little risk option of retur- um, giving a return to the master. And he said to those who sta- stand by, Take the minor from him and give it give it to him who has ten miners. But he said to him, Master, he has ten miners. For I say to you that everyone who has been given, and from him him who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. um, Bring here the enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them. Right? That everyone who was given, and then it says, um, who did not want me to reign over them. What really hits me about this story is that it's not a story of, of increase. It's a story of God testing the heart because it's it's mind blowing that God gives them five miners and then He places them over five cities. All right, that's not an increase. Right, that's not a, a, a inflationary. or 6% increase, right? It's also not a a 10% or a liberal 20% increase. That is mind-blowing. It almost goes so far to say that it's not an increase. The first scenario was a test to see the heart. Do Do you get what I'm saying? So Jesus does amazing. He says. Take care of this, and I'll place you over five cities. Now, firstly, they were just given material wealth. Now, if you've been given a city, not only are you taking care of material things, but you're taking care of people, right? And we see this this principle in Scripture as well. How can you take care of the people of God if you cannot rule over earthly things? How can you take care of the people that God entrusts into your leadership if you cannot take care of finances? All right? So the the first round was a test to see will they be good stewards or not because Jesus loves his people. Jesus is the great shepherd. He will not entrust someone, his people, if he cannot trust them on how they deal with earthly possessions. And so we see um, that God um, wants us to be free when it comes to giving. And, and that is the heart of God. And so we, we're going to end off this morning by standing up and doing a declaration. There's a couple of other things I wanted to share, but for the sake of time, we'll, we'll get to the, the participation. I love the participation, right, because... Um, you have the Holy Spirit, who's the teacher. You have the Bible. You can go to the Word any day of any time of the day. Any day, we are blessed to be in a country where we can. I had a meeting with a, a man from Iran and Afghanistan this week, and they don't have that liberty. We forget what we have, so we can get the truth, but we need to learn to live the truth, right? Um, And that's the harder part. That's why we seek the the participation. That's why we engage and get practical um, in the Word. So, we're going to do a declaration. And God wants us to prosper, right? He wants that for us. Um, But there's a bigger picture. Remember the social capital. We want to leave this life not with a big bank account. We want to leave this life having impacted lives right and so the heart behind this is to say God you are the source you take care of us and so we're going to get really practical and some some of us are going to be uncomfortable because we are bringing parts of our lives and it's my personal life into the open you know into God's house and it might be seem a bit weird but it's not Right, Jesus was very comfortable to have conversations about your budget and your giving, um, but uh, or your salary. Um, but we've developed a church culture where we're not. Right, it's interesting that Jesus points out, as, as I alluded to earlier, that the Pharisees were also like that. Right, they didn't talk about money, but they were lovers of the of of money. So we must actually. Come against that culture of secrecy, and live open lives, right amongst each other. So, in small group and in places, where we should talk about money. We should talk about our finances and our budgets, and it should it should be more open. I'm not saying we share everything with everyone. That's not wise, but it should be an open discussion. Amen. And so, you'll see that there's a declaration on the screen, um, and and some of it. And again, the heart behind this is to say, God, you are our source. And God, our intention is for your glory in this, in this world. And we can ask God. God doesn't mind that. But some of the things that we're going to read, it's going to be a bit uncomfortable. Because we've been so in reaction to the prosperity gospel that we miss the parts of the scripture that are for us too. Amen. So I'm going to ask us all to stand, and then we're all going to read this declaration. But I want to specifically ask you, I'm not going to go into the detail, but you know where you are at concerning your personal finances and the stewarding that God has given you, perhaps if you've got a business, um, you know where that is. And I want us to engage conversations with God regarding these things. In fact, it's so important that we engage God with these things. Um, I remember a while back, our finances wasn't sort of really working out, and I said to God, "What's wrong?" And God showed me that He showed me a picture of a dripping tap, and I was like, okay, "Well, that really makes sense because it feels to me that's how my finances is like." And and I said, "God, what is the, the dripping tap?" And He said something really practical, right? I was like, "Wow, that's you know surprised me." God's practical, amen? And he said, change your medical aid. And luckily I had Jason and he could help me to change my medical aid. And it was such a simple thing, right? Made a massive difference to my budget. But God is so into those things. And I want to encourage you um, to engage God with these things. And I'm going to say it a little bit louder. Um, I'm a little bit um, sensitive about this, but... um, I have to say this, right? I feel a bit like I have to say the hard things. Um, but it's coming from a place of love, right? Anything that you don't engage Jesus in conversation with is sin, right? Why don't you want to engage with Him? Ask yourself, because you want to live independent from Him. But that's literally the scripture that Jesus says. Every, everything not done in faith is sin, Jesus wants to talk to you about these things. He wants to engage in perhaps these hurts in our hearts and situations that we've gone through that makes us, I don't want to go there, Jesus, but go there. Because He loves you. You know, and He knows what to do. He can do it. He can do all things. Um, He loves you. He's a good father. Don't fall into the trap because the, the enemy has got one goal, and that goal is to tarnish your image of God. Right? He wants you to be fearful of God. And he wants you to consider God as a bad steward. One that is not liberal. One that, like the parable says, he he reaps where he hasn't sown. That's not God. God is good. And he wants us to have it, not just in our minds, but deep down in our hearts. That we know God is good. He's really good. So let's invite God in there, and I want to ask. While every eye is closed, some of you are going to come forward, and you're going to read the declaration. No one's going to—it's not going to be ministry yet today. It's between you and God. For now, you can go to small groups and engage one another. But if God is specifically speaking to you, um, or He wants you to consecrate something, or He wants to bring your business, you would know if God is dealing with you about finances. But I want you to symbolically and prophetically come and stand right in front and do these declarations like we like i said we we're all going to do this so if you want to step out and that's you and just as, as 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 a symbolic act bring your gift to the altar bring what god is calling you to him and open up those conversations it's a simple declaration but it's a powerful declaration then we're going to end off for this morning. Let me quickly read through it, and then we're going to declare it. Okay, so um, we declare today that all your promises are yes. We are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, open doors, favor and breakthrough, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritance. Says interests and income. Rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses to decrease, blessings and increase, storehouses unlocked. And then we're going to pray. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs, that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All right. God is so into these things. Um, And I believe that some of us, there's um, blockages over us and by the authority of Jesus, we're going to open up those blockages. Some of us perhaps are struggling financially and we shouldn't but we are because we have an enemy, right? And he knows that we are powerful people that can advance the kingdom. And if he can uh, block the storehouse, then he can limit the work of God. And so sometimes we have uh, this dualistic relationship with money, and then the enemy can really lock down our finances because we don't apply the authority that Jesus has given us over what he wants for us. And so by doing this, we're going to unlock storehouses. We're going to take away pressure from the enemy, um, because he's got no authority. He's got no hold of your finances, your increases, your jobs, whatever you have. Um, he can break it then we're going to do it right now. So we're going to take all authority in heaven and earth. and We thank you, Jesus, that you've given it to us um, for spiritual things, for natural things, to rule and to reign, reign over this earth, to come back to our first commandment to, to subdue the earth. penetrate. And, God, we say our hearts are for the Mitchell's Plains, God. Our hearts are for the nations, God. Our hearts are for those that are struggling and captive, and we're not. Uh, But whatever is captive, you loosen today, God. We loosen it, God. We loosen every oppression, every persecution, every blocked storehouse, every blocked thing. God, it will not labor, it will not linger, but it will happen swiftly in the name of Jesus. And we all declare today we declare today that all your promises are yes we are believing the lord for jobs and better jobs raises and bonuses benefits open doors favor and breakthrough sales and commissions favorable settlements estates and inheritances interests and income rebates and returns checks in the mails Gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off. Expenses decrease, blessing and increase, storehouses unlocked. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Great. Enough preaching. We're not going to pray this morning. Um, What's better is if you can engage God, if you can open up the conversation. Get practical and say, God, just give me something to do. What can I do this work? Maybe I need to do a prophetic action. Maybe I need to do a Jericho march around my workplace. Maybe I need to lay hands on my PC. Whatever it is, right? Jesus is into the practical. Megan, if you can lead us in worship songs and let's just talk to God, and then we're done for this morning. Um, the Lord bless you.